0: We're, uh, we're going to be continuing our series, Baptised in the Holy Spirit and Fire, this morning. Over the last couple of weeks, uh, we looked at the things that the Holy Spirit does. Um, in, and if we can throw that uh, first slide up. Thanks, Cam. And this was the verse that we started off with. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses... Telling the people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Cam, is it possible to shoot that up under the back TV? Because no, yes, no, doesn't matter. I'll just turn around. Okay, so we, we we started off by looking at how the Holy Spirit enabled them to preach. Thank you very much. That's fantastic. Enabled the, uh, preaching. Samuel spoke about healing. Rihanna, a couple of weeks ago spoke about faith and boldness, which was great and then last week, Graham um, talked about how the Holy Spirit enables us to go through suffering and trial, and just while he was he was um, Speaking of that, the Holy Spirit just dropped a verse into my my heart. I want to share it with you this morning, just in in terms of walking through this series. It's just another uh, another aspect of the Holy Spirit. So, if you can just throw that scripture up, Jesus speaking to the disciples said and i will pray to the father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever the spirit of truth so not only is the holy spirit the one that empowers us to do things but he's also our helper and if we can go to the, the next slide it's just some of the things that the the, the scriptures talk about the Holy Spirit helping us with. So Romans 8.26 says he helps us in our weaknesses. Anybody here have occasional weaknesses? Once or twice a minute. I I was telling... um, I was telling Nikki this morning. Dee just given me this wonderful present. It's a spray because I get a dry mouth, and I sprayed it for the first time this morning at home. And I went, "Wow, oh, that feels fantastic!" And I came to church, and I found out that coffee strips it straight out. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's going to be in my pocket next time. But. In our weaknesses, the Holy Spirit helps us. In Ephesians 3.16, it says, I pray that He will empower you with inner strength through the Holy Spirit. Anybody here need inner strength from time to time? We get, we get confronted with a go this way or a go that way moment. We need inner strength, yeah? Because I find that sometimes my strength Tends to be not that strong at making the right decision under those circumstances. So for, Romans 5.5 says that God's love is shed abroad in our heart through the Holy Spirit, and Romans fifteen thirteen says that we overflow with confident hope. We, isn't that a great? That's a great tool, yeah, to go through to wake up in the morning with hope, confident hope through the Holy Spirit. Now, one of the things. That I just wanted to say is as we, as we approach this series and we, we hear each session, we're going to, enc- like, seriously, when I did the first session of preaching, who went, yeah, I can do that? Yeah, nobody. <laughs> right? Because, see, it's a lot easier, to, to be honest, it's a lot easier to preach here than it is to preach out there. It really is. Because here, you're amongst friends. You know, here, you're with people who expect to hear somebody preaching, but out there, it's different. And it's a different kind of message that you're bringing. And so you, we, we need help, yeah? And so when, we, when we're praying for the sick, we need help. Because we have to about... See, one of the, one of the keys with praying for the sick is being able to see them healed. You know, in that moment, you have to be able to see them healed, otherwise it's impossible to pray with faith. And so, Holy Spirit, we need you to help us yeah. in this. And so what I want to say to you today is you can't get help from the helper if you never ask for help. Have you noticed that we as Aussies, we're, we're like, uh, would you like some help with that? No, she'll be right. <laughs> you can't get help from the helper unless you ask for some help. So as we, as we move through this series, just tuck that away. And when you find yourself confronted with something that you go, oh, I could never do that, Holy Spirit, could you help me to do that? Could you help me to see that I could possibly do it? And then maybe to, to empower me to do it and then help me to find some people to do it too, yeah? Okay. So that's that's the uh, sermonette before the sermon. So let's move into the the next series. So we're uh, we're looking at Acts ten today, which is the story of Peter and Cornelius. And the title of the message is called "No Favorites." How many of you believe that you are God's favorite? Well, I kind of do. But I found out that we're all His favorites. See, I thought it was I thought it was a a prestigious, elevated position, and then I found out that all of us are God's favourite. It's not, it's not like particular. I'm not, I'm, you know, when the Bible says that we are um, a peculiar people, I think that probably applies to me, but, but I'm not particular because everybody, you only just got that, Holly, you just kind of, just <laughs> dropped in there. It's all right, darling, you'll catch up. So so what we're going to do is we're going to read through this passage. There's a couple of spots I want to stop and then I've got a couple of things at the end and then we'll be finished. So if you can start that up there. Oh my goodness, I can't read that. I'll come back here. In Caesarea there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius who was a devout God-fearing man. Now you're going to find out that I've left some out because I've only got 30 minutes. Okay, so if you find, that doesn't go run into there. Well, it does today. Um, So, Who was a devout God-fearing man, as everyone, as was everyone in his household? One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. The angel told him to send for a man named Simon Peter in Caesarea. The next day, Peter went up on the roof to pray. So, understand that Cornelius sent some people to Caesarea. Okay. So this is the next day. Peter went up on the roof to pray and it was about noon and he was hungry. But while he, the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance and he saw the sky open and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles and birds. Just stop there for a second, Cameron. So it's an interesting word, that word I've got in orange there, trance. Uh, it's, a, it's a Greek word. Obviously because the Bible, the New Testament was written in Greek. And it's it's the word ekstasis. And ek means out of. And stasis can either mean normal or a state. So uh, if we have stasis, we, we talk about as an English term, that means we're stuck in a moment. We're in a, a particular thing that we can't get out of and it'll be called stasis. But in this particular means uh, uh, meaning, it is ecstasis means out of normal so we could call this in in what we would say an out-of-body experience or an out-of-mind experience right the interesting thing is there's a who's ever heard of the Septuagint anybody one one or two people okay the Septuagint is the Greek translation of the Old Testament and it's really interesting that this word ecstasis it's translated twice in the Old Testament at incredibly significant times, so we're going to look at the two the two times. So, firstly, it's in Genesis chapter two. So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, ecstasy, and while the man slept, God took one bone out of uh, took one of the man's ribs out and closed up the opening, and the Lord made a woman from that rib and presented him to the man. So in the first instance of this ecstasis when God caused a sleep to come on someone, we had the birthing of the marriage covenant. And so it goes on to say, and this explains why a man leaves his mother and father and is joined to his wife. And we know Jesus said, whatever God has joined together, let no man tear asunder. So it was the introduction of, of the marriage covenant, incredibly significant because out of that marriage covenant came the family. And out of the family came everything that we see, nations, communities, all born out of that covenant. Okay, the next time is uh, in in the story of Abraham. As the sun was going down, Abraham fell into a deep sleep. Again, ecstasis. And a terrifying darkness came over him, so the Lord made a covenant with Abraham. And what, what Abraham did is God said, go and get these animals. And so he got these animals and he cut them in half and he laid them like either side of a pathway. And God caused a sleep to come upon him. And God, the Spirit of God, uh, probably probably the pillar of fire, I'm thinking, came down and moved through the the pieces of meat, the pieces of the carcasses of the animals moved through that and declared a covenant with Abraham. And we see what what the outcome of that covenant is. For Abraham will certainly become a greater mighty nation and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. So here we see this, this situation, this ecstasis out of which God does something amazingly significant in the lives of humanity. First the family, then the Abrahamic covenant in which we've all been blessed. And I believe this this time we we are seeing a similar sort of thing. What we're actually seeing in this passage, and we can go back to the scripture now, thanks Cam. What we're actually seeing in this passage is the birthing of the covenant with the Gentiles. And, And all of us are here because of this, this passage. If this passage never happened, we probably wouldn't have been here. It's, it's that significant. It's significant. I, I count it really significant for me. I read this and I go, woohoo, thank you, Jesus. I was talking with, um, with Samuel about this last week and he said, you know, if this had never happened, Paul's ministry could prob- probably never would have got off the ground. It, this This event made Paul's ministry possible. So this is an amazingly significant situation we're gonna see. Then the voice said to Peter, remember, he's on the, he's on the roof, he's in a trance, he sees the sheep come down, it's full of all kinds of uh, animals that the, the Jewish law forbade him to eat. And so God says to him, get up Peter, kill and eat them. And then Peter said, says something for the second time. He, first time he said to Jesus, no Lord. Or heaven forbid, Lord, that this should happen to you, you know. And so, you know, that's that's not what you say to God, yeah? No, Lord, no, Lord. The only time you would say, no, Lord, is Peter, did you do this? (laughs) No, Lord, it wasn't me. But you don't say, I'm not going to do what you're asking me to do. So he says, no, Lord, I've never eaten anything that our Jewish laws declare impure or unclean. But the voice spoke again and said, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times and then the sheep was suddenly pulled up into heaven. Peter was very perplexed and as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, there's three men downstairs, they've come looking for you, get up, go downstairs and go with them without hesitation. I, I love this passage there, the Holy Spirit said to him, If we're in tune with the Holy Spirit, when we find ourselves in puzzling times, when we're not sure what to do, and especially in this circumstance, Peter's confronting himself that was not just something that was out of the normal, it was something that was contrary to the normal. I mean, that's really hard to deal with. Something that your whole life, your whole foundation, your whole formation has been established to go this way and all of a sudden God's saying, go that way. And you've got to go, Oh, God, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Help me. You know, the helper, you can't get help if you don't ask the helper for help. So the Holy Spirit speak to him. The Holy Spirit spoke to him said get up don't don't have a hesitation don't worry I've sent them. So Peter went down and said I'm the man you're looking for why have you come? Okay, they said we were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. He's a devout and God-fearing man, well-respected by all the Jews. A holy angel instructed him to summon you to his house so that he can hear your message. The next day he went with them and they arrived at Caesarea the following day. Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together uh, his relatives and close friends. House of Acts, here it is, just about to happen. And Peter told them, you know, it's against our laws for a Jewish man to enter the Gentile home like this or to associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as i and unclean. I see very clearly that God shows no favouritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. Peter shared the good news with them and as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles. For they too heard them in speaking, other, speaking in other tongues and praising God in brackets just as they had at Pentecost. So this is, this is really this is like a signature moment. This is a, a milestone moment. This is a watershed moment because this is the first time that non-Jewish people had been able to receive faith in Christ. Now, as I said, put up your hand today if you're a non-Jewish person. Yeah, well, that's pretty much all of us. Um, we, we owe, in a sense, our salvation to this moment. This opened a door for us. And I want to talk a little bit today just about dealing with prejudice. You know, just keep, we're just going to keep going. How are we going for Tom? Not too bad. See, there's two worldviews at work here. There's God's worldview and there's Peter's worldview. If you want to bring it into our context, we are dealing with God's worldview versus our worldview. Okay. So this is God's worldview about this particular situation. God says Genesis 12:3, "I will bless you and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you." Okay? So what's I don't know what's happened, but somehow that has got watered down to something something that was so broad and so inclusive has been watered down to something that was so narrow and so specific. Jesus came and told the disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations. The Greek there is partite ethne, which means every race group, every people group, go and make disciples of them all. No one's to be left out because this is not exclusive, it's inclusive of everybody. Okay, Galatians 3.28 I love this verse. There is no longer any Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ. Now, if you read the newspaper or got on Twitter uh, at the moment, you would find that the world is only wanting to talk about Jew versus Gentile, male versus female. Uh, if we take the concept of slave versus free into a um, an industrial, you know, boss versus worker type thing, bringing it to the modern context, we find that all they want to talk about is driving a gap into that and causing conflict and, and you know, we've got to do this or we've got to do that or, um, you know, this one's better than that one and that one's better than this one and this one's been downtrodden so we want to we have favouritism for these ones and bring them up and we, 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 these ones have got, had the gravy so we want to not like them at all and we want to bring them down and God says, no, there's no Jew or Gentile. There's no male or female. There's no boss or worker. We're all the same. There's no favoritism. So this is this is God's worldview. And then right at the end, and this is amazing. This is you know this is one of those times where it's like you know the trumpet sounded because this is the end. You know. In Galatians 3.28, that's, that's the declaration of the, the purpose. And we know the Bible says that God works out all things according to his will. And so at re, in Revelation 7.9, we see the end. We see how God has worked it out. And so so um, John lifts his eyes and he says, after this I saw a vast crowd. Now he'd just seen all of the, the 144,000 from the... Um, The tribes of Israel. So just kind of lock that in there. But then he lifts his eyes and behind those he sees a vast crowd, too great to number, from every nation, tribe and people and language standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. And then all of a sudden everybody just breaks out in a spontaneous praise. Come on. Come on. If you've ever had any missionary inkling in your body, this is, your, this is your dream verse that some of the people that you know and have touched in other countries from other faiths and religions are one day going to be standing before God with us and going, yay, Jesus. Yay, Jesus. There's no other, you know, they'll be singing that song we sang today. What a powerful name it is. There's no other name. Okay. So that's God's worldview. Now, let's look at Peter's worldview. Peter told them, You know, it's against the law for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. That's somewhat narrower than God's worldview, would you agree? (laughs) Somewhat narrower. Not only is it narrower, it's actually incorrect. Because if you go through the Old Testament, you'll never find that in there, it doesn't exist. The only time God says, says to them, when you go into Canaan, don't give your sons, uh, give their wives as sons as, uh, to your sons as wives. Because that will mess up your sons' minds. And, and that turned out to be pretty true. And they'll end up worshipping other gods. But the other stuff's not there. What actually happened is the Pharisees, they created what they call a hedge around the law. You know, you know when, when you've got a like a, a cliff that you could fall off, but you know, cliff, cliffs that you can fall off tend to have spectacular views, so there's an upside. But to make sure that you or your kids don't fall off the cliff, they put a fence around it to keep you well back from it, because they don't want you to go and to fall off well partially they don't want you to fall off but the other part is they don't want to be sued when you fall off and so they put a fence way back and it becomes a hedge around the dangerous place so you can't even get close enough to step over the edge and that's what they did with this and so the Pharisee said to the Jews you can't even meet with them you can't even go into their house and it became their worldview so strong That it it dominated the way they thought, they the way they acted, and the way they behaved with other people. Incredibly powerful worldviews. Let's let's go to the next (coughs) verse. Our worldview is born out of our culture, and um, going into another culture really helped me to understand this, because you you don't know your own culture. It's kind of innate. It's just in there, and it, it starts when you're little and you start to get told who we like and who we don't like and what's the right thing to do around here, and it becomes innate to you. Don't think about it. And so Romans 12 says, Don't copy the behaviour and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing and perfect. Now listen to what... The Message Translation says. It says, don't become so well adjusted to your own culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Isn't that what we do? We just fit into our Aussie culture without giving it a second thought. We fit into whatever our cultures are. I remember having a conversation with our our language teacher in Thailand at one time, and we were talking about this, and I was talking about, um, you know, kind of asking, her, what's the effect of, of Thai culture in your life as far as the gospel is concerned? And she, she looked at me and said, Steve, I'm, I'm a Christian, my parents were Christian, but I've got to tell you, even though I was born in a Christian home and I've been a church goer all my life, this thing is so pervasive that it dominates the way I think. And so f- for a Thai, they would say to be Thai is to be Buddhist and she struggles with that. She struggled with with ways that we would think biblically. She could not think because of the constraint of her culture on her mind, even though she was a Christian. She said, I've learned it from the cradle. I got it at school. It's been been fed into me all along the way, and it it is a powerful stronghold in my thinking. And so, I want you to think about what she said about herself and then ask a question. God, am I like that? Are there things about my cultural understanding that makes it difficult for me to, to hear your voice, to find your will? Are there partialities in my way of thinking? You know, I, I, do, I, do I see people groups and, and think that they're less than me or do I see... Um, It it may be something else. It may be um, types of people. It may be socioeconomic groups and go, well, they're less than. God has no favourites. Yeah, He has no favourites. And so in this passage, I just want to stop on it just for a few minutes. I've only got seven left, so we're getting pretty good. Don't copy the behaviour and customs of this world. We've got to understand that we were born in this world. We grew up in this world. Our worldview has been framed pretty much by this world. And then we come to Christ and we find a completely different worldview. We might some call it the upside down kingdom. So it's totally upside down to compared to what we're used to. And so the Lord says to us, the Holy Spirit says through Paul, the only way to overcome this is allow God to change the way we think. To change the way we think. And this is where the Holy Spirit can help us. But I want to show you one more thing before I I just go to the last slide. And and that's that last sentence that says, then you will learn how to know God's will. See, sometimes we miss God's will for our life because we don't see it because we're looking through culturally framed glasses. And we don't see God. God's wanting us to go down this road. And it's like when we look at that road with our cultural glasses on, we don't even see a road there. We don't even see it. It's not that we're bad, it's not that we're resisting, we just don't see that road. And this is where Peter was. God had to put him into a trance and tear the glasses off his eyes so he could see the road that God wanted him to walk down. And if the Holy Spirit had not intervened, Peter would not have been changed. But he says, after this, he says, but I now see clearly. I now see clearly. The blinkers, the blinders have been taken off and I now see clearly that God has no favourites. No favourites. And so just go to the last slide. So today, how, how does the Holy Spirit help us in this? Well, number one, he helps us by revealing our shortcomings. By revealing to us. He, he, he comes alongside and he says, you know, Pete, Pete, let me let you know a secret. I like them too. Exactly. Really? Really. You, I mean, you like them as much as me. Pete, on a good day... I like him better than you. And Peter went, "Yeah, I remember those days, Lord. Something about a chook, and uh, a few other things." So, so God, the Holy Spirit—if we allow Him—and I—and I use that word intentionally—if we allow Him to draw near and speak to us, He can He can shine a light on something that we need to change. You know, some of you, some of you are here today because you've, you've been put into categories and those categories have caused you to end up in places you probably would have preferred never to go to. And you know what, it, what it's like for people to look on you and think you are less than. Yeah? And, and some of us, would look on people like that and because of our cultural framing we would think that they are less than yeah let the Holy Spirit come and say Holy Spirit I I don't want to be like this I don't want to miss your will I don't want to miss a road that you want me to go down I don't want to miss an opportunity that you have prepared for me before the foundation of the world so God, I recognise that I've got cultural glasses on and I need you to come and show me. Okay, the second thing the Holy Spirit does is he comes and he renews our mind, renews our thinking. So whereas we once thought this, we, like Peter say, I now see that what I thought before was wrong. Okay, then the last thing is the Holy Spirit releases us to do the will of God because we can see where it is that Jesus wants to take us, yeah? So let's stand, that's it. Tell you what, I finished before 11 o'clock, that's a miracle. Yeah, Holly, that deserves another clap. So Father, we, we recognise this morning that all of us have been conformed to our own worldviews, Lord, that have been framed in us by our families, by our societies, God, by our mistakes, by things that we've seen, God, things that we've learned, with we, the effect of school in our life has framed worldviews that sometimes are not your worldviews. And God, we acknowledge to our shame that sometimes we miss your will and your purposes because we can't see it. Holy Spirit, we ask you today just to come and I'm just going to give you an opportunity in your, in your heart today to say Holy Spirit come and begin to change the way I think and you know it, you've got to be game to do this because if you ask him all of a sudden you're going to find over the next coming weeks you're running into things that you thought were normal and you're going to realise that they're not normal anymore and that's going to be difficult But it's going to be good, yeah? Because you'll end up being able to see what God wants you to do. And it'll open up a whole new range of people for you to minister to. Father, we we commit ourselves to your Holy Spirit today. And we ask you to come, Lord, and reveal to us those things in our worldviews, God, that make it difficult for us to see what you want to do. Lord, we ask your Holy Spirit to come and to change us. Lord, that we would be made spotless by the washing of water, the Holy Spirit, with your Word, according to, according to what you say in the Scriptures. And Lord, that we would be enabled then to see your will, which is good and perfect, and that it might become acceptable to us because our worldview is is becoming aligned with your worldview. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.